The Teachers College at Emporia State University presents How We Teach This. Welcome to Connecting with OER. I'm Bethany O'Dell, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Joel Spotswood. In this episode, we are interviewing two of our librarians at the University Libraries and Archives here at Emporia State, Mr. Art Gutierrez and Dr. Terry Summy. Welcome, Art and Terry. Would you mind sharing a little about yourself and your positions in the library? All right. My name is Dr. Terry Summy. I am a professor in the University Libraries and Archives. Um, I've been at Emporia State uh, for almost 34 years. Uh, in a variety of different job titles, but mostly my job has been with what we call public services in the library. So it's been reference and research and so, and currently right now, and instructions. So currently right now, uh, my title is research and instruction librarian. Um, so I, but I've kind of moved around. Um, one of the things that we do in the library is we wear a lot of different hats. I have a bachelor in arts from Dana College in Blair, Nebraska in humanities and English. Um, with a French minor. I have a Master of Science in Library Science from North Texas State University, Science and Library Science from North Texas State University, uh, which is now the University of North Texas. And then I have a Master of Arts in History from Emporia State and a PhD that I came to late, uh, only about three years ago from here at Emporia State University also. So that's kind of just a background on me, art. Okay. Uh, again, my name is Art Gutierrez. I'm an associate professor here at Emporia State. I've been here since 2004. I earned my master's degree in library science in 2010 and transitioned to a faculty role. And so since that time, I've been doing instruction, work with my liaison area, so one-shot instruction or bibliographic instruction, uh, and then started moving into teaching our four credit information literacy research skill course uh, probably about five years ago, maybe, maybe six. When I'm not doing that, I'm also the head of technical services here at Emporia State University. We, like Terry said, we wear a lot of hats. I'm sure that keeps you guys quite busy. It does. So we are going to talk today about um, OERs, and so we're really interested in how did you both decide to employ OERs in your classrooms? We teach uh, UL 100, which is uh, Research Skills, Information, and Technology, and we have done this for several years. We started with some courses earlier with different titles. They were credit courses, but they weren't part of the gen ed requirements like that it is now. Uh, and so we had a, at one time had a business course. We also had uh, just a general course. And then I can't tell you how many years ago, but quite a few years ago, we started with this, the UL 100, got it approved. Since we all teach the same course, but different sections of it, uh, we try to have the framework the same and the same outcomes uh, we kind of work with some of the same assignments and, and try to make it pretty similar depending on which section you take. And so uh, we had started out with a textbook that really wasn't that expensive, uh, but several years ago in 2015 or 16, uh, the Association of College and Research Libraries, which is a part of the American Library Association, came out with what they call the framework, which is, that's the short title, and that's kind of what we refer to it as, but it's the ACRL framework 
for information literacy for higher education. And so when that came out, we had kind of looked at uh, maybe using something different. And when we started to explore different textbooks, uh, we found this one that's actually not based on the framework, but it's based on another model, which is called the Seven Pillars of Information Literacy, that actually comes out of the UK, and I think more specifically, maybe Scotland, uh, out of the UK, and I think more specifically, maybe Scotland. Um, but it looks at it through um, kind of the research process. And so uh, we knew this textbook was out there and we thought that this might be a good one to just guide us. And it's, it's, a, good, it's a good textbook for undergraduates. The fact that it was OER and it was free so that students didn't have to buy a textbook uh, was part of the reason we looked at adopting it. Uh, and like I said, it, it really walks through that, those pillars, which then kind of walk you through the research process. Some of the book, the book that we were using before, William Badke is the author, and it's through the information fog. That one we have, um, we some of us still use a couple chapters out of it here and there as supplementary readings. I think that's one of the things with OER is that you don't necessarily have to have a specific textbook. We just happen to have one that was written by the individuals who actually worked on the, there's a lot of ties in there to that framework. And that was one of the things that attracted us was that, that it had the experts involved with it. And the fact that it was OER and we could kind of maybe take a lead on demonstrating that people can use OER and that there are good resources out there. Art, do you have anything to add? No, that's, that's pretty good. Um, we, we reached out to William Badkey to get permission to use the book. And, you know, he was very responsive with any questions we might have that I had that I reached out to him for. And it was just kind of the right timing for us, you know, because that, that's what's critical, I think, in all of this is there's a push right now for OER and it's it's got to be the right time. It's got to be the right content. And, and saying that, it's never going to be perfect. So you can kind of pick and choose the the learning objects, the artifacts that you want to use, and that's what I think's really powerful about OEO and really tailor it to what's important um, for your program, what's important for the general education outcomes, what's important for your university priorities. So have you found that um, using OER has allowed you to tailor your courses closer to what you were thinking of? or the text, you can actually tailor the text itself more to what you are wanting to do, or is it kind of a combo of both? So the use of OER allowed us to have a textbook, I think that kind of guides us and provides maybe the foundation for what we're teaching. But then we all teach different competencies or some other extra things sometimes within it. I think we all kind of customize our classes and so we may pull in some other things. So I know. Um, there's a couple chapters out of the Bad Key Information Fog book that I use. There's a former colleague of ours who's now at Oklahoma State University, Matt Upson, who wrote a graphic novel. And there's a couple chapters that I use out of readings that are applicable to students that students might enjoy that can kind of help with uh, what they're doing. It allows us that foundation to have that book that students aren't having to purchase, but then uh, we can add the extra readings on top of that. and. It helps provide that structure, I think. Yeah, I, I would I would say it's a combo of the two, where you can tailor your learning to that, but also 
reinforce what's being stated in the text. And and like Terry said, one of the things that we've been sort of prioritizing here at Emporia State is leadership. So especially with the Information Literacy Users Guide, that book is based on pillars. And so I can apply that pillar framework to leadership. So we're using a common language and terms and framework for a different topic that we're applying it to. So that way it kind of reinforces what we're trying to do, but we're also tailoring it to a subject that, that's purposeful for us. So that has worked out really well to, that, that's purposeful for us. So that has worked out really well to kind of align everything together. So these supplementary readings, the bad key uh, chapters, the chapters from the graphic novel, um, and Terry, you had mentioned other supplementary readings, are these items that you provide for students or that they can access for free through our um, library databases? So actually a variety of different things. Um, I can make the links available through our databases. Uh, the chapters I actually uh, scan in because I'm not using the whole book. I'm just using a little piece of it. And so I provide those to them uh, as scanned in PDFs in the course. Um, we can link through our databases. So our databases all have what they call a permalink, and I can add those into the course for readings, and students can get to the readings that way. We also have a variety of ebooks available in your areas, and I think that's one of the kind of the nice things about OER is you can customize your course because I hear from faculty a lot of times, well, I've looked at a lot of different textbooks, and there's not one that's exactly right for my course. The nice thing about OER is that you can customize that. You can you can find different things that maybe hit the the different topics that you're wanting to cover maybe a little bit better than what a, a blanket or a general textbook would do. Uh, I think about you know the leadership part that Art covers. He can have them read an article on leadership, or maybe read an article on leadership style so that they understand that a little bit better. So it's really being able to pull in some of those extra resources. Uh, like I said, either through the library, it might be a chapter out of an ebook, it might be um, a chapter out of a print book that we have. So just a just a variety of way to pull things in. I know I pull in some things on infographics. So I have them do infographics, and so I'll pull in uh, some tips on creating uh, some tips on creating infographics. And and so I think you know it's just it's almost customizing yeah the course a little bit more. And I meant to do this earlier, but I am going to make a shameless plug for the bad key books. I have been using them in various editions probably for the last eight years. Um, I had my comp students purchase them. Easy reading and he's funny. <laughs> I think that's great that you were, I do, I love the way he writes. And I think that's terrific that he re, uh, responded to you, Art, um, yeah. and kind of granted us permission. And I think I would have been surprised had he not. So. <laughs> Go bad, Keith. So we've kind of uh, kind of broadly addressed this, but I'm wondering what has your experience or with your students, what has the, have their experiences been using OERs? I, I would almost say I don't think they really notice a difference besides that they don't have to put out a bunch of money to obtain the book. You know, you, you access earlier, but I just put the links out to where they can go to the material where it's originally posted and they can see it's mostly available in multiple formats, whether it's an EPUB, a PDF, or whatever format they, they would like to use, and whatever format's easiest to use with the technology you have, because some sometimes it's 
easier to download it and read it. And sometimes it's okay to view it online, uh, depending on the artifact. And that's something that you'll have to, I guess, maybe one of the challenges with uh, OER materials is they could be in a variety of formats, um, viewing them, using them on, in different technology might be a challenge for you. So it's it's best to test that out so that you can let the students know what to expect. But yeah, overall, I would say it's it's been positive. Um, like I said, I don't think they really notice as much except for the money piece. Yeah, and I sometimes wonder, so I've, I've had a conversation with another faculty member on campus who used an online ebook um, that was free for her stu for students. And when she got her evaluations back, several of them commented about the lack of a text in the course. And it was, well, but you used an online text. And come to find out, I think some of them that, that were upset or complained had not used, had not even looked at the text that was online. And so at this point, she's going back to a print textbook. Sometimes when we talk to our students too, they don't necessarily like the textbook prices that they're paying, um, but will they use an online textbook that's, that's there for them to use or did they value it as much? So there's just some questions that, you know, that I've kind of been going over in my mind too. Um, the nice thing is, is that it's there and it's available whether you purchase it or not. Because I, I did have one student I worked with who uh, asked me about access to a text because he was in a course last semester and the faculty member said that one of the books that they were gonna use was optional. And so if you say a book is optional, a student is probably not going to buy it unless they really are interested in that field or, or really wanna buy it. And so, and then come to find out when it got to finals time or finals week, there were questions from that textbook on the fine or that book on the final. And so he was looking for how can I use that book or how can I get to the, the information out of that book? And so that's the kind of the nice thing is that they're available. So if you're using supplementary text, these are good things that might be supplements to maybe what you're having them purchase. I know I try to go in to the, when I teach the course, I go in that very first day and show them the textbook and how to get to it. And I know Art and I've talked about, and, and I know he's done a little bit, and I was thinking I probably will do it too, is when I assign readings out of the textbook, having some either guided reading sheets or maybe a little quick textbook quiz that they can fill out while they're going through it to know that they are, know that they are actually looking at it and reading that information there. But when you get to higher level classes, I think you have to rely on students wanting to know that information and, and doing some self-management also. It's a hard thing to figure out. I think that you've hit on one of the concerns that I've heard, um, you know, from various different entities about students not um, wanting to engage or not being able to engage in the same ways with OERs. And so I wonder if the texts that you use are able to be printed out if a student were to uh, decide that she wanted all 507 pages. Would she still have the option of printing them out? The majority of our ebooks you can, yes. Um, so the, the textbook that we have, and I think a majority of the textbooks that are available OER, are, you can do that. So for example, our textbook is available like in HTML format and PDF format, and so students, and so students can download that and print it. We have some of our ebooks through EBSCO in, our, in the library, and those there are limits on printing and downloading, um, but you can get around that. 
most of the limits are 100 pages. I've seen some as low as maybe 60, 75. Um, but you can download up to that 100 pages, get out of the book, and then go back in and get them, get what else you need. So you can go chapter by chapter. And so then you're kind of getting it as you need it. Again, most of those can be downloaded, or if you do the print option, you can a lot of times print to a PDF as your choice instead of to a print printer and, and be able to save some paper and be able to get it that way. So a lot of the books can be downloaded and printed if that's a better option for you. That's good to know. I am one of those who still needs paper in front of me to actually be able to learn. Um, you know, and research shows that students still tend to learn better if they have those paper, those papers in front of them. But I will be interested in seeing over the next 10 or 15 years if that changes very much. If we rewire our brains in such a way to make uh, digital more, more of our mode of learning. That's true. And we had a conference recently and I went to the, the main presentation and talked about really like social justice and OER and how those two tie together. And the speaker talked a lot about the research that's out there on helping students maybe that can't afford their textbooks or there are students that maybe have to make a choice between do I pay my rent and eat food or do I buy my textbooks and pay my tuition? So having the OER really makes things I think more accessible. It's just, I think as faculty members, maybe we need to let the students know and maybe we need to, say it over and over and over again, that this is your textbook, you need to read this, get to this information, even though it's online, if you need to print it off, go ahead. Um, because research is showing that students that maybe can't afford their textbooks or feel like they can't, then may feel like they don't belong in college, may have the imposter syndrome, may think that, um, yeah, college isn't for them, so they might drop out, they may drop out of their classes, um, they may not do well in the classes, or they may try to get by without the textbooks. So I think there's a lot of things to kind of consider uh, when we look at this. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, when I talked about our, our textbook, one of the things I hear from faculty is, well, how about the quality of OER textbooks? And, you know, there are people out there who are the experts in your field who are writing chapters, who are writing articles, who are writing OER textbooks um, designed for students. So, you know, go out and find those or even modules. You know, we have we have links to modules that people can use and plug into your course. Um, and you can always come to the library and ask your librarian for help in terms of looking for those types of things. But I think, yeah, just having, you know, making it students aware and maybe mention it over and over again so that they understand it or they get it or they remember it. I think you hit on something really important. There's been a lot of research, Tinto comes to mind, about that need to belong. And if students feel like they can't afford, you know, their, their, to meet both their basic needs and that which they need for college, I can see how that would suggest to them that maybe they don't belong. And I think that, you know, consistently reinforcing OER is for you. This is a way to help you. Everybody's using it, you know, this and kind of erase the stigma if there is any of that unassociated with it can definitely help with retention. Like, hey, one less class you have to buy a book for. Why don't you stay? So we've talked about had some advice. You've talked about some of your experiences and what, what helped you decide to incorporate OERs. Biggest challenges, small challenges, other than getting students to actually use the book. 
I, let me rephrase that. Are there any OER specific challenges? Because I mean, I think we can agree that getting students to read any kind of textbook can sometimes be a challenge. Have there been OER specific ones that you've encountered? I would say one thing I've noticed is that with the increase of technology in the classroom, uh, even, even at, at, in higher ed, that what we've seen and sort of become used to is not only a textbook, but this online suite of resources, whether it's quizzes, whether it's more information online uh, to graphics or data. Right now, most OER, I don't think, is at that level yet. You might feel like, well, if I step back from the traditional textbook, which is now technology enhanced, that it's not as good. But I think that's where I'll create those modules within your LMS system and teach it the way you would like to teach it and use the resources you have. Um, so that's one of those challenges, I think, is really matching apples to apples, what resources you have available in, in understanding the cost associated with that. But that said, you know, the Information Literacy Users Guide that we're currently using has online modules, quizzes that you can take for a variety of topics. And, and I think that's one of the, the great things about this book is I can use those to um, help the students reinforce what we're learning in the course. Um, and not all, you know, textbooks have that, but this particular one does. And so I take advantage of that. Um, do you remember offhand which network you found your information literacy user's guide through? It was through the New York um, SUNY, yeah. uh, the State University of New York, but I've noticed it's on sites now. It's a, there's a Minnesota site that it's on, and there's another site I, the other day that I saw it on, but it comes up quite often. Um, we have a tool, resource called Faculty Select, but then we also, I do a presentation for Jumpstart, and we have a, a, user, a research guide for OER, where we have a lot of links to a lot of the OER clearinghouses that are out there. And so there's different places that you can search for uh, OER books to see what is out there and available. And like I said, some of them will even go to modules that the faculty select will do that. Um, and some of the others will too. And I, you know, I put in a variety of different things. I use YouTube videos, I use TED Talks. And so it's just kind of looking to see what am I wanting to teach them and, and how do I pull that in and how do I bring that in? So I know my approach to leadership might be a little bit different than ours. I talk a lot about um, being active in the community and there's a, a good um, like about how just doing small things can make a difference in people's lives because sometimes I think we see leaders and leadership as something really big. I think when we look at things like politics or maybe things that seem to be big issues in our world, we're like, how can I really make a difference? Um, you know, I'm thinking right now of some of the voting rights laws that are being passed out there and how can I make a difference? And it seems overwhelming when you're looking at big things. And so, you know, I try to focus on what can we as individuals do that maybe are little things that, that can help uh, take one little step in the right direction. Other challenges, any other advice for anybody considering using OERs? To me, it's, I think, finding the right resource, you know, looking for those experts, looking for what matches your course. Um, if you have a textbook that you're using, 
that really doesn't meet what you're needing, then then look for something else. And and it might be pulling that textbook apart. Then look for something else. And and it might be pulling that textbook apart. I think sometimes maybe we fall for the song and dance that we're given to by the publishers um, because they'll say, you know, here, you got this and it has all these extra things with it. And you really don't have to do much because it's all done there for you, which that's nice. But then we're passing a lot of those costs on to the students and, you know, they may not be able to, and I have two kids that just one is finishing college, one recently finished. You know, when you're looking at that, you know, and you have to buy a code, you can't buy a used textbook then because you have to have that new code every year. And so that's new money that's coming out every year instead of getting something maybe that's used or from your roommate or a friend. And so I think it's considering all of those things and trying to make it more accessible. So are there articles or resources that are out there that speak to a student level? And that's one of the things I have to think about too is, am I speaking to their level and not using jargon that maybe we use in our course for an OER textbook um, ourselves? We're a little bit behind on where we wanted it to be, but we're still kind of working on that and pulling that together. And I'd like to get that out there as, as a viable option for us to use and for people to use. But in looking at the chapters we're pulling together and writing, we have to remember that we're writing it for a freshman level audience. So how do we make it appeal to them? How do we engage them in the reading? You talked about Badkey um, and the way he writes. And I think it's, it's doing that, being able to use humor, being able to make it interesting, being able to connect to them personally. But yeah, challenges are just, I think, maybe finding the right thing. And it takes time. And, and that would definitely be a challenge is, is finding that. So, you know, I spend a lot of time in planning my course and revising and, and working on that. And maybe I'm lucky I'm only teaching one or two courses because then that allows me to, to do that time. And I think if I had more, it would be harder. Um, but yeah, it, it does take time to seek those things out, things out. So when a publisher comes to you and says, hey, I got this resource that has all these extra quizzes and study guides and things you don't have to do a thing that would make it real easy to to get and and so it's really i guess being willing to take the time but know that you don't have to do everything at once that maybe you revise just a little piece of it or maybe you look at one course at a time or how can you make a few changes i, I think that's that's a big piece too knowing that it kind of goes back to my leadership thing that you know, maybe making a small step is better than trying to do these big steps and that get overwhelmed. Yeah, I, I would just say that, you know, you need to start somewhere, maybe using a chapter or two out of a OER text. And then one of the things about the Information Literacy User's Guide is that it's written by librarians. So it's, it's sort of in our sort of formal community. And so I, I would think that would be a place that uh, teaching faculty could look. Look for those professional organizations, OER materials they have available, because I, I think most organizations, whatever the discipline, are going to have some available, whether it's in journals, whether it's uh, just artifacts they've created and made available, and in and, and your publishers, too. Many of the publishers are offering OER uh, articles, uh, journals, so making use of that information to to build something special, I think, that really kind of lets you focus on your priorities and you know and I think like Terry said we're working on our own user's guide to information literacy and we can really craft it to 
our standards and you know our priorities and and that's that sort of giving back we we stood on somebody else's shoulders and now hopefully we can return that favor and give this uh learning object that other people can use and and kind of contribute professionally that way as well those all sound like fantastic reasons and I have kind of heard some of those challenges over and over that faculty often worry. I have kind of heard some of those challenges over and over that faculty often worry about time. But I really like that idea that you can do a little piece at a time and just see what what might fit. Um, Terry, I also heard you talking about with the publishers that one of the and I'm kind of expanding on it, but one of the things with OER is that maybe you have more control over your content when you are using OER and you get to have kind of more autonomy and you're teaching those things that you find important rather than maybe what a non-specialized pub um, yeah, published textbook writer might find. And Art, you spoke to that also by identifying that your um, information literacy user's guide is written by librarians. Um, and I think those are all great reasons and places to start for um, incorporating OER into all of our classrooms. Well, and we know that, you know, as instructors, um, you know, even teaching a lot of times, I'll teach two sections of, of our course. And even having, you know, my, my nine o'clock cor course and the comp composition of that course may be very different from my one o'clock course and the composition of that. So I think another thing with OER is being able to help meet the needs of your students. So um, if you have students that maybe are struggling in the area, you can provide some more resources in that area for them. Um, and maybe you have some that, that are, are real competent in, in those areas. So I think it's, yeah, it's being able to take that and customize um, to help maybe better meet the needs of your students. Well, thank you both so much for joining us today on Connecting with OER. We appreciate your time and then all that you are doing for your students and what you are doing for promoting OER usage with faculty and across the disciplines. Hi, it's Bethany, and I just want to give a huge thank you to Mr. Art Gutierrez and Dr. Terry Summy for their conversation in this podcast. We really appreciate their experience with adding open educational resources into their UL100 Research Skills Information and Technology course. Art and Terry also shared information about Faculty Select and an OER library guide, which are available from the Libraries and Archives website, Library Connect, which we will also include links to in our description below. We also want to thank you, yeah, you, for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to our podcast. We have more episodes coming up at emporia.link OER, or you can find our episodes on Spotify. We also have shared resources available on our website, in addition to a behind the scenes video of our time filming this session.